National Talkie League. Well, Rumble, young man, Rumble, and Happy New Year. Welcome back to the National Talkie League. It's our first episode, Dave, of 2019, and I, I just can't wait to hear another theme song come out of those beautiful lips of yours. Nash in the Talkie League, we're in the future. Nash in the Talkie League, nothing rhymes with future. Nash in the Talkie League, it's 2019. I like this year, you know, that 2019 is such, a, such an abstract year already. Nothing has to rhyme. Uh, it's, it, things are, nothing has to make sense. You don't have to tell the truth about, you know, your conversations you've had with the RCMP. It's a really wonderful year that we're, we're, we're hurtling into. Total improv. Uh, you start the theme song and then you go, oh, I didn't plan this ahead at all, so I have no rhymes. There you go. Well done. Well done, sir. Suture. So, the word suture would have rhymed. Suture rhymes, but then... It's, you know, you're going to be kind of like that uh, terrible pop songwriter who's just shoehorning rhymes together without ma- trying to make any sense. That's true. That's true. How are you doing, Roger, here in 2019? Oh, well, I'm optimistic. Uh, I am one of these people who, you know, thinks long and hard in the first week of the year about, you know, how I can improve myself this year and what I can do better. So, um, you know, the, as we record this episode on, on January the 11th, that's what I've been up to. And I'm, I'm optimistic. I think it's going to be my best year yet. How are you this 2019, Dave? I'm doing well. I got to say, you got some good hair going on this year, Roger. I started the year with a haircut. Nice. It looks not, great. Not going to lie. Well, thank you very much. I called your lips beautiful earlier uh, on. You know so what <laughs> no problem. Uh, you know what I was thinking we should do since we're at the beginning of the year and mm. this is the first uh, talkie league of 2019. We've been at this for what, three years now, it feels yeah. like? Yeah. Calendar wise. <laughs> um, why don't we, why don't we go over uh, sort of, we don't have to do a year in review. That happens a lot. But why don't we talk about where things are? At the beginning of 2019, just sort of get a handle on how we feel about stuff at the beginning of the year. How does that sound? I love it. Yeah. Why, why, right. don't, you, why don't you kick it off? How, how are you feeling? Well, I'm uh, in, in general, I'm feeling pretty good. Politically, not as much. So um, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go uh, big to small? You want to go small to big? Uh, let's go small to big. All right. So let's start. With, uh, I mean, obviously we could talk about personally how you're doing and that kind of thing, but why don't we start with the city? Why don't we start with how you're feeling about, uh, Calgary right now? All right. I am, um, I would say I'm bearish about Calgary. I think Calgary is in for a difficult year. Um, I think that, you know, it's every time I'm about to say something about the local economy, I've always, I always feel Trevor Toom on my shoulder whispering, Oh, but look at this chart, look at this graph. Cause I know that he is, um, you know, I know that the data is there to say that, Hey, you know, things are, are not as economically gloomy as we might think it is. But I, I do want to hear Trevor Toom's take on the feeling and the sentiment, because I think that even though there might be more jobs and even though there's some, you know, indicators that the economy is, has rebounded or is rebounding. I really think that people don't feel that way about Calgary. And that to me is sort of like a dark cloud over the city, but I think that we're going to have some more, um, 
you know, I think that we're going to have some more pain in isolated areas. I think that, that we're going to hear a lot more small businesses complaining about taxes and, and labor costs. I think that that's going to continue throughout 2019. And yeah, I just, I, I think it's going to be a difficult year to be in business in the city of Calgary. Yeah, word, man. I think you're a hundred percent right on all of that stuff, including the part where I'm not sure what Trevor's going to say. About it. <laughs> um, no, I think you're right. Uh, it's it's definitely one thing to see the numbers and to read the stats, and it's another thing altogether to actually live in the city and have that sentiment going on. Mm-hmm. Because you're right. I mean, it doesn't feel like everything is all roses and champagne it still feels like we're fighting through something that we're struggling that you know we're you know not necessarily everybody's trying to make ends meet but everybody's still concerned about where things are going right nothing to say there couldn't be another huge round of you know oil layoffs and what implication that will have i think we're starting to see the effects of that first one um and you're 100 percent right about the property tax situation, especially for small businesses. I keep reading story after story about this restaurant that can't make ends meet. And we're not just talking little guys anymore. We're talking chains now that are starting to pull out, you know, Swiss chalets like, oh, we're going to close this restaurant. We can't afford to keep that one going anymore. Um, and now that we're seeing that shift away from the business property taxes, uh, the big guys, it's starting to start flowing back into the, you know, into prop into individuals, right? Uh, residential taxes are probably going to start shooting up and the small businesses, like you said, I've been seeing numbers, you know, 20, 30% predicted increases for some of these guys. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're a hundred percent right on that, that it's uh, it's going to be a bit of a challenging year. I wonder if, uh, you know, as we invoke Trevor Toome in his absence, I, I wonder if he's done any sort of chart or study on how much money there is in the economy. Because I got to think that, you know, like one of the things that I remember, I think it was Mary Moran from Calgary Economic Development saying was that, you know, we've actually added jobs despite the, there being an economic downturn. And the, the argument, I think, is immediately, yeah, but how much do those jobs pay? Like, if you lose one $100,000 job, but you add two $60,000 jobs, that doesn't necessarily mean the economy's in, in $20,000 better shape. Like, there's, you got families with a bit less money. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and I don't know too many uh, stories of, you know, uh, like, on the personal level of people who have gone from oil jobs to other kinds of jobs. Uh, so it's a little tricky to say, but yeah, you could, you could be right a hundred percent on that. Um, hearing a lot of, uh, you know, discussion about where city council's at and a lot more, I'm hearing a lot more, uh, I don't want to call it anti-Nenshi. That seems a little extreme, but I'm definitely not hearing as much of a, a, you know, glowing reports of the city council and of the mayor. I think he's starting to reach that point where people are, are kind of, you know, over the, the new car smell, so to speak. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next election. Yeah, but yeah, I, I also kind of wonder that wouldn't you just complain about the the council, whoever it was, if you weren't happy? Like if we had a really conservative city council, which as long as I've lived in Calgary, we never have. Like it's always been a pretty liberal. Even Ralph Klein was a pretty liberal mayor, right? If, you, if I mean, if you want to look at his track record and, and how he, you know, spent and how he thought the government should play a role in, in the city. But anyway, if you're not happy for whatever reason, aren't you just going to always treat the city council of the day as your pinata? For sure. 
Uh, I think we've seen that globally. I think we're going to see that provincially and uh, possibly depending on where we are when the next election happens, we'll see it on the local level. I mean, it's that, it's that classic, you know, things are okay, but they could be better. So let's change up the government, right? You right. can't fire the whole hockey team. So get rid of the coach, right? Right. Yeah, right. Um, okay. Well, how about how about uh, provincially? Are we going to fire the hockey team? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. I think the whole team's going. Um, it's we're still a ways away. We haven't. We don't know when the election's going to be. There's still sort of everything moving and shaking. But I don't see a lot of movement as far as you know any kind of polls. Anytime someone puts up a poll. The left says, oh, well, polls, look at what happened in the Calgary election. Those polls were no good. Uh, and yet, uh, for all that, I have yet to see any indication that anything has moved, that any there's any chance of anyone going anywhere but the UCP. Right. I mean, overwhelmingly, every single poll that has come out has said, yep, the, this is where it's at. Having said that, we still have a ways to go. You know, we saw what happened in the last election with Prentice and the, you know, math is hard. And right. so I, I always like to couch it. I always like to say, you know, barring any major changes, this is what we're looking at still at this point. The whole, like people, I like how people shit on polls and pollsters and whatnot, but the people who would say, you know, oh, the poll is meaningless, The you know, because the UCP are leading. There's only one poll that matters. It's like, you were not saying that. Last provincial election, you were saying, woohoo, the orange crush is about to happen. So stop it. Um, yeah. I, I saw a headline today in McLean's that said, Alberta's never had a one term government, or you know what I mean? The uh, one term um, government. Could the NDPs be the first? And I just kind of was like, if I click on it, is it just going to be the word yes? <laughs> Like, will I have to read the, is there a whole article here or is it just Jen Gerson being sassy? <laughs> so anyway, my, my answer is yes. Yeah, no, I, and I saw that as well and, and kind of giggled, but of course, you know, if you, if you go in your, uh, your Reddit, which I've been, I have to say, I've been doing a much better job at staying away from that. Uh, it's exactly that. Oh, well, you know, the UCP keep having all of these, oh, these troubles with people and, you know, their leadership and their races and blah, blah, blah. And honestly, I think once again, what Reddit suffers from is the fact that they think that everybody in the province actually reads up on these things and is in the know. And more likely what's going to happen is people have no idea that there's been any kind of, you know, issues with, uh, you know, riding races and that kind of thing. And even if they knew, they probably wouldn't give a crap. Really. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I mean, can we just stop pretending that everybody who um, has an interest in talking about politics or, or voting, like gives a shit about who the candidates are. Like, like you know, the NDP, they didn't care that no one had ever heard of any of the people that were running for their party. They still voted for them. Like, it doesn't matter. I, I appreciate too. I don't want certain um, aspects of society represented in anybody who's sitting in an elected house in this country. I don't want bigotry. I don't want hate. I don't want racism. I don't want ignorance. I don't want xenophobia. These are me. I'm projecting my values now. I'm virtue signaling on what I would like to see happen in the upcoming election. But I'm also, you know, at least able to recognize that some guy who's got a farm just wants to make sure that it, and just wants to make sure his farm is protected in the next election. He doesn't give a shit who's running for the UCP. He, he just wants to see the government change. And it's, I think the people who ignore that do so at their peril, just as I think that people who think that, 
you know, Trump's election was a fluke and want to dismiss that entire voice of America that voted for him, do that at their own peril as well. Absolutely. Uh, what you're going to see is those people are going to be the ones that are like, oh, my God, I can't believe that the UCP won so overwhelmingly. And then they're immediately going to follow that with, I didn't realize Alberta, Albertans were such a bunch of redneck racists. Right, exactly. Because that's their next favorite thing to do is to lump everybody who voted for the guys they don't like into, you know, this this big jar of, oh, you're all xenophobes and, you know, racist. And it just makes you shake your head. And you like, it's 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 clearly the work of, you know, the 22-year-old college student who hasn't been out in the real world, who hasn't lived in the real world, who doesn't realize that people don't vote on a single issue, right? You know, you're yeah, I agree with you. And and I even if people do vote on on a single issue, it's not because they only care about one thing. Like let me I'm I'm not disagreeing with you, but if I felt like um income tax was the most important thing, then I might pick my vote based on that. But that wouldn't mean that the other things that party stands for, I don't think about, I don't care about, I don't think have an impact on society. I would just be saying like my, on my depth chart, the most important thing is this issue and therefore I'm voting on that issue, right? And I I think that some people do that. Some people try to get, you know, the best blended punch when they go ahead and they, and they cast their vote. But what really pisses me off is the people who who will go on Twitter, go on Reddit, and they will say that one issue is at odds with another issue when it's not. They're two completely independent things. What if I told you that I could want to vote for a conservative party and still care about gay rights? Those two things aren't aren't at odds. They're not mutually exclusive. And sometimes you've got to take, you know, the a, a little bit of the bad with the good. So if I want, if if I believe that a UCP government is going to lead to increased investment in Alberta businesses, and that's the most important thing to me, I can cast that ballot without hating gay people. It's completely possible. And I got some news for you. It's going to happen a whole bunch of fucking times this May. Yeah, no, and that's exactly what you're going to see on Twitter is how can anybody vote for the UCP because of the GSA issue? And the answer, honestly, is because it's not the only issue. Mm-hmm. And because just because the left is, you know, parading around saying we love everybody doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be the best government. You know, you can't. Yeah, no yeah. one candidate's going to be everything. We don't have a party that fits all the boxes. Otherwise they would be the people that everybody would vote for. Right. Yeah. And the reverse is true too, Dave. I mean, I I guess I, you know, you know where I stand by the way that I argue it, but I could just as easily say like, you know, I, I, I think that, um, you know, kids in high school, uh, you know, GSAs need to be protected. Uh, but that doesn't mean that I hate, uh, the Alberta economy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or that you're anti-business. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. That's my, <laughs> that sums up how well I know how the left feel about things. <laughs> I guess. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, uh, we could, I mean, I guess we could stop and, and talk about the, uh, the whole Shannon Phillips issue with the, uh, you know, the, uh, uh the ground, uh, the ground swell. And is it safe for us to go and do consultations with ATV owners? Do you want to do that real quick? And then we'll move on to Canada or, you know, I just don't know why it's so, yeah, the real quick thing is that she she lied about these uh, these engagement sessions over the Bighorn. Um, uh, I'll just say Bighorn Parks plan. You can c- correct me if you like, um, but it's you know for she said that 
you know, there's a couple of RCMP investigations into some some threats and harassment, and then the RCMP came out and said, or, and she said they canceled the further sessions after the RCMP advised them it might be safer to do so, and then the RCMP came out and say, no, we can't give that kind of advice, nor do we give that kind of advice. So it's just sort of like, why lie about this? Like, you know, if you don't want to go and meet with the conservative base, just say, we don't want to meet with the conservative base. They weren't voting for you anyway. I think it ticks two boxes. It's a, it uh, allows them to not have to get up in front of people, and it also allows them to say to their people that are on the fence, "Oh, look at oh yeah, if you vote for the UCP, this is what you're uh, voting for. These evil people that are threatening other people." And uh, and let me be clear: if anybody's threatening a politician, they're kind of a piece of shit anyway. <laughs> right. I prefer that they not you know back any party. To be honest, that like that's that's garbage. That's bullshit. Mm-hmm. Having said that, using that for political capital is also bullshit. Mm. Um, that's about all I have to say about that, I think. Uh, excellent, also, man. Also, people who wreck, who wreck <laughs> nature with ATVs, they're also bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always at odds with that. The, the, the people who love nature so much, they want to go four by fouring. I mean, uh, look, to each his own, I get it, but it's just something yeah. about that makes me raise an eyebrow. Yeah, you're right. I mean, honestly, uh, I guess it'd be better if they had one place that they could go and destroy where they're not going to bug anybody else. Maybe that is the best thing. I don't know. Right. Hey, what's your uh, what's your stance federally here? Because I, I think that this is kind of a year that, that um, I've been dreading for a while because it's the year that the conservatives are basically a no-show at the election. What do you think? Well, you know what? I think you're right. Uh, I think we're still where we were, which is uh, that the conservatives don't really have a shot yet. We're starting to see a little bit more movement in the polls, those dirty polls, um, <laughs> saying that uh, that the conservatives are actually starting to climb in a little bit. I don't think it's because of anything the conservatives are doing. I think it's got a lot to do with the fact that the liberals are just, you know, swinging a miss after miss and after miss. Uh, our, our Canadian economy... Again, we're reading things that things are great and things are good and things are moving forward. And yet I don't see it anywhere. I don't see people being happy with the state of the economy. I don't see anything going upward. Yeah. Again, it could be it could be that I'm just not seeing that stuff. But uh, it's the same as, as the Calgary situation. There's a lot of stuff happening and none of it seems to be moving upward. Maybe things are just so amazing in Ontario that we don't know it. Maybe we need to move out there and just experience what it's like to live in the land of milk and honey for a little while. Um, you know, it's, I just, I'm just really frustrated as it's come out with, on many episodes of this podcast. I'm really frustrated about how much of a failure I perceive our, our, you know, confederation to be. Um, the fact that there's no penalty for, for, being co- as un- uncooperative as possible with other provinces, the fact that Alberta just does not matter um, to to the rest of this country. Well, I, sorry, Saskatchewan, I'm not crapping on you. You love us, we love you too. Um, but just the, just the way that the sort of the countries come together, and the way that BC can, you know, dictate things, and the way that um, the you know the liberals just pander to vote vote rich neighborhoods, make sure that the pipeline can't happen, so that they don't lose Quebec. And so I, I, I just absolutely don't see anything changing. Uh, we're going to have Prime Minister Trudeau for, you know, four more years after this, you know, the election at the end of this year. And it's, it's, it's kind of, I, I also sort of wonder how much Donald Trump has to do with this because, you know, from 10,000 feet up and, and 100 miles away, 
he's making conservatives look pretty bad um, in other countries. And he's really kind of tarnishing the conservative brand. And so if you're Andrew Scheer, I don't think you have a hope in hell anyway, as long as, you know, that your neighboring government is a conservative government. Yeah, I think you got a point there. And we talked about the idea that, uh, you know, Doug Ford getting elected in Ontario would be bad for uh, the conservatives federally, because you're going to get a lot more Ontarians probably moving towards the liberals or voting liberal uh, federally because they're not pleased with the way things are going there. Honestly, I don't know how things are going there. I haven't seen a whole lot of stories other than, you know, a couple of people saying, how dare he, how dare he? So I don't know if anything has changed there, but this is part of the end, maybe the end, I shouldn't say it's the end, of this big conservative wave that's been sweeping kind of globally, you'd have to say, uh, in in federal elections, you know, Brazil voting in a very, you know, <laughs> staunchly anti-LGBTQ uh, uh president uh we're having you know the local stuff everything's turning a little bit more conservative i think we're going to see a conservative sweep here in alberta so the question is what stops that from happening federally is it the fact that that justin's got a little bit of popularity behind him is it the fact that uh canadians generally don't go too far right in their voting is it the fact that andrew Shear is a ghost as far as any kind of <laughs> charisma or any kind of stance on anything he just doesn't seem to be able to to whip up any kind of excitement yeah i honestly haven't heard him say here's a radical idea that this country needs like at all and yeah yeah i think we're kind of going to need that someone who can bust trudeau's balls on debates like the debates are going to be so milk toast <laughs> but whatever well it'll be i I'm trying to figure out what my alternative is to it'll be fun to watch because it won't be that. Uh, and well, I generally it, like political debates. It just strikes me that the conservatives, the conservative party uh, got exactly what they wanted. And now it's going to bite them in the ass. And now they're going to lose the election because of it. Right. Mm-hmm. They, for whatever reason, they said, oh, this is how it has to go. We don't want any controversial leaders. We don't want that guy. We don't want that guy. We want somebody that we can you know, keep our thumb on. I don't know if that was the case, but that's exactly what you got. Congratulations. <laughs> now you're not going to win the next election. Well, who's next though, right? I mean, it's it's premature to have this conversation. We should let Andrew Shear, you know, go out into the bright sunlight and get shot full of holes uh, <laughs> before we have this conversation. But I have no idea who is next because, you know, Maxim Bernier is not you know, he's not going to be the, the, well, maybe he will be, I don't know. Maybe he'll find his way back into the party and say, you guys should have gone with me. And then he'll be the next prime minister of Canada. I would welcome that. That would be pretty funny if the uh, right split and then uh, joined back together again. <laughs> but it's, it's, we just, you know, I think it's, it's difficult to be a one-term government federally in this, in this country. And I've always sort of said that, you know, you've, when, or I said when Trudeau was elected the first time, this is our prime minister for the next eight years. I just didn't think that the um, resulting opposition would be so anemic and disappointing. And, you know, you're talking about somebody here who would love nothing more than to tell great stories about what the opposition is doing in this country and the, and the great points that they're making. But to your point, Dave, I literally have not seen this guy get up in the press and say anything meaningful yet. So I always, I always come back to, you know, the thing that I I always say that I want is I want a leader that I can get behind that, that whips me up a little bit, that gives me some enthusiasm or gives me something to hope for. Mm -hmm. Sheer does none of (laughs) it. I mean, honestly, if you, 10 times out of 10, 
the the adjective that we're using is milk toast. Right. Like, the most boring, the least controversial uh, politician that I have ever seen in charge of the conservative party since, you know, Joe Clark. Right. Right. So what, what do you think then is the radical idea that this country needs right now that you would like to see, um, sheer or, you know, whoever it, you don't even have to be partisan in this, but what is the idea that you think Canada needs that would kind of, uh, spark up some, 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 uh, provocative conversation? It's a good question. I think, what the conservatives do wrong over and over again right now is they keep appealing to social issues rather than economic issues. They keep going back to the well saying, oh, immigrants. Oh, let's talk about immigrants. There is a boogeyman or, oh, let's talk about gay rights. Get away from that stuff. People don't care about that stuff. And I mean, the people do care about that stuff, but that's not what you should be running on. You should be trying to figure out the best economic plan for the country you know, figure out ways to cut spending, ways to increase revenue, a new direction for things to go. That's, that's what would get my vote. Right? Yeah. Find, some, got, find something that our country can be proud of, that we can sell to the world, that we can be the best at. We're not the best at anything anymore. I would, yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that I would like to see a conservative leader, um, blow up the tax system altogether, like start kind of start from scratch and just st start at the same narrative. Like a lot of these things are holdovers from when this country didn't realize that, you know, we could be as big as we are and as, as impactful as we are. So we didn't need a new, um, you know, tax, uh, act and, uh, blah, 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 like a whole bunch of these sort of changes. I get it. I'd get down with some parliamentary reform to reduce or abolish the Senate. I think we're overrepresented. I think we need fewer politicians than we have. And I would like to see a conservative leader talk about these things, talk about, you know, making meaningful differences, um, to Canadians in terms of how much money the, the federal government collects from them every year. Um, but there's two there's two ideas that I think are are very radical that I think are conversations that need to be had, and one is healthcare reform to provide um, a market model similar to what we have in France, so that we can we can actually improve a lot of things, add a little bit of competition, so that we can improve things like physician pay and, and get it kind of closer to earth, but also get people off wait lists. And maybe that's a, a podcast for a different day, but here's what I would actually like to see. And I haven't fleshed this one out fully, so I'm just going to put it out there and maybe it's something we can stew on for, like I said, a future episode. But I would like to see a pipeline that stretches from basically mm, take like two steps north of Alberta into the Northwest Territories and put a hub there and then run that pipeline all the way out to Hudson Bay and give half of it to, uh, or not half of it, whatever, figure out a percentage of it and divide the kitty up this way so that Governments in the Northwest Territories, and none of it are going to get a share in it. Um, a, co a collective of oil producers and and you know pipeline operators are going to get a share of it, and one percent of it is going to be a disaster response fund. So that you're going to take like you know one cent for every dollar out of every barrel that goes through it, and you're going to just put it into a spill recovery, a spill disaster response fund, and then just say like that's the that's the plan. Everybody's going to benefit. Uh, you know, we're going to have corporations that pay taxes. It's going to create a lot of jobs. It's going to be good for northern governments. And we're going to be able to amass a monstrous fund that can uh, be a world leader in oil spill uh, response technology. And then just say, now who's with me? Because I think that you would have the most meaningless voter blocks in the country all on board. That being, you know, none of it in the Northwest Territories. 
and you'd be creating a corridor on that that you would have i think a lot less friction because you're only trying to go through two territories to get it done i like that i think that's a great idea um Sorry, while you were while you were talking about that too, I was thinking the one other thing that, that you know we always talk about these leading indicators. The mm-hmm. indicator that I see a government that I could really get behind, that I could really you know call my own, will be the first government in our country who fixes the veteran situation. Oh sure, who actually does right by the government by the veterans instead of just talking about doing right by them, right? And I know it's not a big huge issue for every single voter, and that's probably one of the reasons it gets gets backburnered because you don't buy a lot of votes with it. But if, if a government could actually do right by the veterans, you know, give them the care that they need and take care of those guys, that would be a government that I, that would be the first sign where I could say, you know what, there you go. Yeah, I agree. These guys got the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see someone talk about that in a meaningful way because it's always just give more money to one department. That is never, ever, ever, ever going to be the solution because there's just so many different ways that people need care at that end. You know, you're not going to give the uh, veteran who's the, the world war two vet who's using the food bank does not need the same kind of assistance that the Afghanistan vet with PTSD needs. It's two Absolutely. very different things. And nor do they want equal, equal no. treatment, right? No. Like the, the world war two vets not going like, Hey, I, I should, I should get some psychological sessions as well. He's not doing that. I was thinking about this. Uh, I was with a, a buddy of mine. We went to the flames game the other night. Uh, he's a city firefighter. So uh, I went and bought my ticket. He didn't buy a ticket. I said, you didn't buy a ticket. He said, no, I just have a, an ID card. I just have to show my ID card because I'm a city firefighter. So I don't have to pay for the LRT. Oh, okay. The perks yeah. of the job. Yeah. And I thought, why don't we have something like that for the veterans, right? Boom. Here's my veterans card or I, maybe they do. I don't know. I'm talking mm-hmm. out of my butt here. Here's my veterans card. I don't need to pay for public transit. Here's my veteran card. I can get into a taxi cab for free. Seems fair to me. There's got to be some things like that where we could go. We could look at the cost of things and go, you know what? These people served our country. They they did us a solid. Here you go. You get this for free for the rest of your life, right? I like it. 20% or 30% off your grocery bill and you can build a, the country for the rest of it as long as it's within a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I know you have a hard out here. You got to get <laughs> out of here pretty quick. Yeah. But I think we've covered, uh, we've covered the bases. Uh, any other thoughts uh, to share with us about... Uh, the year to come or where we're at? I remain optimistic. And I think that the one thing that, that marks Alberta more than any other place I've been is that maybe it's just the circles I hang out in, but people dig in. And I think that Alberta is really going to dig in. I think that this election, a lot of people in this province see it as an opportunity to, you know, to undo in in some people's minds, it's to undo an injustice in other people's minds. It's to kind of, you know, start with a clean slate and, and, and try to get it right this time. And, and I feel like a lot of people are embracing that opportunity. And so, you know, I hope I'm right. And I hope that a lot of people bet on themselves and bet on Alberta, because I think that uh, we have a lot to be happy about here and a lot to be optimistic about in 2019 in Alberta. Yeah. I think cautiously optimistic pretty much sums up almost every level of government for me right now, politically speaking. Right. Uh, but you know, uh, there, there are things to look, to look forward and to be positive about, I think. All right. So (laughs) let's do it. (laughs) That probably brings us, uh, uh, to the end of our podcast here. Uh, apologies. It was a little on the short side today, but as I said, Roger's got something he's got to go do. We definitely wanted to get something out for you guys because it had been a while with the Christmas break and, uh, hopefully we'll be back to a bit more of a regular schedule here as the, uh, as the days progress. Uh, but Roger, awesome to see you as always. Happy new year. Haven't really talked to you since the year began. 
And uh, like I said, uh, I like the haircut. You're looking, you're looking well there. I'm, a, I'm optimistic. I'm a pro Roger guy this year. Beautiful man. <laughs> I feel the same way. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Happy New Year. All right. All right. Have a great sports weekend. You've been listening to the National Talking League. Show notes from this episode can be found at nationaltalkingleague.com. Support for this podcast comes from you. Please share it on social media. Give a five-star review in your favorite podcast store. And connect with us on Facebook. On behalf of Roger Kincaid and Dave Ware, thank you.